This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in Inside Carolina's On The Beat Live podcast on a new night, Thursday night, 9 o'clock. Here we are talking about North Carolina basketball this week. Ross Martin there, John Bowman with, like I said, the fresh members only Inside Carolina booty. Ross Martin. got the airpods in you got me what's going on what's up what's up hey hey Let, let's get right into it as we wait for adam smith to join us um, what's going on with this carolina basketball team where are we new year new team or new year same team <laughs> yeah we need we need adam you know adam's been in every game i, I watched the pit game wasn't there for it but uh yeah i mean <clears throat> last night i thought it was pretty good you know you had some Ups and downs. I thought Wake was a pretty good opponent, and, and UNC put it all together and won comfortably. Um, you know, big shots by RJ and Armando has been so consistent. I think he's a leading candidate for ACC Player of the Year right now. Um, and then I really like what Seth Trimble did and what Leaky Black did. So I mean, they have enough pieces to, to to be very competitive this season. They've shown that. Um, but then you have those games like the Pittsburgh game. Um, you know, unfortunate losses. I'm trying to think of the other losses they've had that, you know, the things out in, out in Portland, um, you know, it's, these are 18, 19, 20 year old kids and you have the ups and downs. I know people want to talk about Caleb, but uh, they can, I mean, when he has games like that, they can still win comfortably. It kind of shows you the depth of this team. I mean, you see how the roster changes, um, the lineup changes, you know, we don't know the staffs of Pete Nance moving forward, but I really like that small lineup. Um, I'm still confused as to why Puff Johnson's not getting more time. Dontre Styles not getting more time. So there's a lot of talk about for sure. Um, but, you know, I, good solid win at home yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I think your point right there. Uh, well, I'll tell you all, I just woke up. I went in a food coma after I had some La Casina. <laughs> and I fell asleep. I saw like 8.15. And then next thing I know, I'm being told to get up. I've got a radio show in 10 minutes. So, John, go ahead while I recover. <laughs> I, I I have a lot of questions. Or I I I, um, I I love I love that story, Tommy. I I was going to jump in a little bit talking about Tay, uh, Caleb. Uh, I'll bring up this comment from Michael Stroud. He asks, "Shall we start with the Caleb conundrum?" I think that's a a good phrasing uh, for this. I looked this up. It was Caleb Love's lowest offensive rating in a game since the Baylor game of last season. His offensive rating last night was 52, which is very bad. In the Baylor game last year, his offensive rating was 50. But it's interesting to point that out because obviously, as we all know, UNC won the Baylor game and UNC won last night. Contrast that with this stat. This season, UNC is 4-0 when R.J. Davis scores more than 20 points. And UNC is 9-0 in the last three seasons when R.J. Davis scores 20 points. So I'm not trying to, to pile on Caleb at all. I think we all understand the conundrum that he brings, the good and the bad. But it is interesting when, when you sort of lead, see you know, what leads to winning and what, what doesn't lead to winning with some of those stats. I, th- I think those numbers would be similar, though, when Caleb scores over 20. I, I, those, you get the stats from, from the UNC notes. I think when, when Caleb scores over 20, it, it's, you know, it, they win. 
they, they've lost they've lost like one game, I think, or something like that. I mean, obviously he scored over 20 a lot more. But um yeah, I mean this is this is who Caleb is, man. He is he is high a lot of shots. Sometimes they go in and it's awesome, as we saw some games last year, sometimes they don't go in. Um, I think the turnovers is probably the big issue with a lot of people. He had four in the first half, didn't turn over in the second half, I don't think. And then um, you know, hit a big three down the stretch and plays good play good defense. Um, I mean, I listened to Tommy, I listened to your podcast with Dewey. Um, he y'all talk about that a little bit as well. But um people hate on Kale, but dude, when he hits the big shots, man, he hits back to back threes down the stretch. I mean, people love him. So you guys hit the my philosophy, you gotta hit the good with the bad. If you want, if you want to love on Caleb. When he's killing it, then you gotta accept some of the bad parts of him. He can be dynamic, but he can also, you know, provide a headache and turn the ball over and miss shots. You know, he's a high volume shooter. Um, he's gonna take thirteen to fifteen shots. You know, he, but he might make eight, or he might be like last night where he only makes three. Um, that's who he is. You have to accept that if you want to get the good Caleb. You gotta take the bad Caleb with it. Um, that's just kind of what it is. Tommy, what do you think? I, I agree with that. Uh, you know. You would like the the low points not to be as as low as they are sometimes, um, but you're right. The highs are ridiculous, and, and and the thing about a couple things from yesterday or last night, and John, you pointed out one of them. Those two terrible offensive games they had with or he had, they still won. And so, and to Ross's point, that's a big deal um, because this team has shown that if everybody's not clicking, they can lose to anybody. Um, so to be able to, to win a game against a good Wake Forest team, I, I think Wake Forest is good and I think they will be good, um, with Caleb not being well, not playing well. And then the Baylor game, like you mentioned, the problem is you can't have both those guys off. If RJ and Caleb are off, then there's trouble. Um, no matter what Baycott does, um, quite frankly, there's not another person on the roster that can, um, can step up if RJ and Caleb, but. The interesting thing, and this is what I was mentioning, and you referenced Dewey's podcast, is they all got after it on defense the last eight minutes of the game. I mean, if they would play that type defense for 40 minutes, for 30 minutes, for 35 minutes, or 25 minutes, this would be a completely different team. They certainly wouldn't be just 10 and 5. And Caleb was a big part of that. You have to learn how to contribute to the team when you're not hitting shots. And... I felt like in the last seven or eight minutes, Caleb Love might have learned that um, watching the end of that game because he was all in on defense, as were they all. But there's been so many occasions. And, Ross, this is your point, and I want you to comment back on this, is people want to hate on a player when they don't play well. And I get it, especially when you don't shoot well and then you do nothing else. Last night he did other things, and that that was – that was impressive and opened my eyes a little bit. It's maddening. I've said it a million times, but I thought last night may be a turning point. Sorry, I'm eating a Rice Krispie. Um, <laughs> one of the things you said I want to touch on is, I mean, if, if RJ's on and Caleb's on and everybody else is kind of giving what they give, this team's a Final Four team, you know? Yep. Like if Baycott's given 20 and 10, Leaky is who he is, and you get really good RJ, who, who's been pretty consistent this year as well. I think RJ's having a He's having kind of a, a second team, first team, all ACC type year right now. Um, even though Caleb is is second team in scoring, but if Caleb and RJ are on and, and hitting, you know, three to four, five threes, and and getting breakaways, I mean, when they're both on, the team is hard to beat. That's what I've always said this year. Like they've both been a little bit off, I think, on shooting. We saw great shots from RJ last night. He was really, really good last night. They, they both haven't been on consistently as much as they were down the stretch last year. But there's a good chance we'll see that pretty soon. I mean, it takes a while sometimes. We saw last year. We didn't think it was going to take this long. But, um, you know, what, 10-5 and five right now heading into the ACC. It's like the Coastal. I don't think ACC is that good this year. I mean, Duke loses to NC State. Uh, Pitt, pretty good. I, I, don't, I don't watch too much ACC outside of the North Carolina teams. But I think Miami lost to Georgia Tech last night. Like, there's not a lot of – I don't think there's any – world beaters in the ACC. I mean, Louisville, Florida State, some of the teams that are traditionally pretty good are, are, are awful. Um, so it, it could be a, a game where a team where, you know, UNC could could be one of the top two teams in the ACC easily. Um, it's got to figure a couple things out. Uh, but yeah, Caleb, I mean, yeah, it's, it's good that he was still involved. And I think, Tommy, you, I think you said this a couple podcasts ago. I don't know which one, but 
you made a point that defense could be the the calling card for this team. And I think you're, you're seeing some of that with, with Leakey and Trimble and the 32 points off turnovers, nine steals. That's the most open court live ball turnovers I've seen from a UNC team in a long time. I mean, Roy Williams teams used to get those all the time, the breakaways. I mean, there were six, seven breakaways for, for layups yesterday. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. And then that's the way that, you know, that's the way that um, Roy Williams teams used to get most of their points. Yeah, so that was really good eat. to see too. Yeah. Yeah. Steals, I mean, I you think... know, you know, passing lanes and steals and breakaways for, for dunks and layups. Yeah. That's the thing for me is, is it, and, and I think Wake had 15 turnovers and Carolina scored 32 points on turnover. I mean, that's, that's tough to do. And Carolina did it, but this defensive thing, and I think this is something that needs to be a theme for this team is like you mentioned, Caleb and RJ are on. They are final four team. One of them are, is on and the other one's off. They are uh, good enough to be at the top of the ACC. Both of them are off. They're bad. But if they all play defense all the time, then all of this stuff becomes even more relative because they defend. And there, there are times where this team just does not defend. The first five or six minutes of the first half against Wake – or second half against Wake Forest, we could have been out there and defended better. And I'm – I'm not joking. I mean, Wake Forest got whatever they wanted. Um, but, yeah, the last seven or eight minutes. And that's why the title of this show, we were debating it. New year, new team, or new year, same old team. Defense is what's going to make the difference there. Somebody referenced Caleb Love shooting 27% on the year. Yeah, he is. Um, and that's not good. But if you can hold your guy that you're guarding to 30%, 35%, then you got a good chance to win. One thing I think we can all agree on is Armando Baycott's been a monster all year. Uh, I mean, that dude, Ross, you mentioned it in the opening. That guy is – there is no questioning how good he is. And even more important to me, John, and get you in here on this discussion, how hard he plays all the time. He, he, he still gets a little too frustrated with the officials. I get that. Um, but dude balls out every night. Um, and it's impressive to watch from a guy that, you know, he gets beat to death. He's got every reason to be, screw this, I'm going home. Um, but he doesn't. He plays hard every night. And Hubert Davis got to love it. Yeah, you referenced the defensive execution the last eight or so minutes. I thought UNC's offensive execution was really good down the stretch as well. They fed Armando Baycott the ball consistently over the last few minutes and sort of iced the game away. I was actually talking uh, with uh, Trevor Marks, who's inside Carolina's sort of film guy, and we both sort of called out and were looking at one specific play call that Hubert Davis went back to over and over again in the second half. He, Trevor Marks, thought it was called chin shuffle up, but I noticed when it was 79-73, UNC went to it through for three straight offensive possessions. It led to Baycott free throws and R.J. Davis three, and a Baycott miss, but most importantly, the ball was in Baycott's hand consistently that whole time, and I thought that was a great uh, sort of set of play calls from Hubert Davis, sort of icing the game away, to use sort of the football analogy. It's sort of running the ball down the other team's throat. I thought that was really effective, um, and I wanted to point that out too because I think sometimes Hubert Davis takes a lot of flack for either you know, not calling plays, which obviously is not true, or not being a good in-game coach. I think Last night proved Hubert's a very good in-game coach. He knows what he's doing. He has a lot of experience in the game of basketball, and he really set up UNC for success late in last night's game and sort of iced away a win in my eyes. What was Armando pissed, uh, ticked off about after the Pittsburgh game? Not getting the ball. I mean, he was balling out, and he didn't get the ball. Well, he got it. So the adjustments were made, and I think – Ross, you've seen it. You've you've covered Baycott four years now. God, it seems like forever ago in the Bahamas. Um, but but he's grown. But one thing he's gotten is more vocal and more more in a leadership role. He still loves to take jabs. I think he talked trash about NC State last night a little bit, or, or no, good about NC State about trash about Duke a little bit last night, which folks got to love too. But Baycott's growth, Ross, four years is it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, he's a beast. I mean, he is – there's been no no big man they played so far that's been a match for him. I mean, he's had his way. He's just so physical. You know, he's athletic. He's quick down there. 
He's got a variety of moves. I mean, they double. He gets double teamed a lot too, and he gets fouled so much. Scores through contact. I mean, kind of like Hansborough in that way that you know, there's so many fouls that aren't called on him because of he's just a bull in the, in the china shop down there. Um, you know, dominant this season. Let me go through his stats. I pulled him up here. Season stats: 14 games. Of course, he missed. Um, missed one game. Was that uh, Virginia Tech? Yep. Yeah, 18, 18.6 points, uh, 11.1 rebounds, so averaging double-double, uh, 18 blocks, which leads the team, um, nine steals. He's shooting 57% from the field. And, you know, they always talk about in the offseason him expanding his range. He's only shot three threes. I mean, he is just an interior player. But last night you saw a variety of moves. You saw a couple hook shots, breakaways. He's had a couple good steals too. And, um, you know, he's so consistent. Played 38 minutes last night. I think they got to rest him a little bit more than that. I think you got to get him down about 32, 33 a game, which kind of brings in the Pete Nance factor. But um, he's been he's been incredible. He's been consistent, and I hope he gets his jersey honored um, when he when he leaves Carolina. You have to be ACC Player of the Year or you know second team, first team All American, a couple other things. So it'll be interesting to see. But he's gonna be the best rebounder at UNC when he leaves. Um, he could come back for a fifth year. Who knows? He's making a lot of money in NIL. It's like every other day he gets a new NIL deal or something. So, um, yeah, I, saw, I saw some but, other new thing, him and Jeremy Roach, and the guy said, yeah. oh, that's for a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah, so he is, uh, he's been really consistent. You can kind of – that's that's what, you know, sophomore year, freshman year, it's, it's up and down. And then the last two years, it's been pretty consistent from him, uh, which is great to see. Let's Pete's talk a little bit about uh, – Substitution patterns and the bench, Ross. You just mentioned it. Um, I saw another stat tonight. I don't have it in front of me, but both Caleb and RJ are way up there in terms of percentage of minutes played uh, this century for UNC basketball teams. Um, they're playing a ton of minutes. Armando's playing a ton of minutes, and yet I feel like we keep talking about it every week. We see interesting things from the UNC bench. I thought Jalen Washington. He played like four minutes last night, but he looked interesting. He kind of had like a little bit of that Isaiah Hicks just come in and instant offense from the post. We've already talked about Seth Tremble. We've already talked a little bit about Puff Johnson. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of throw this over to Tommy as I read the question here from Calm and Peaceful. I don't understand Hubert's substitution patterns. I just don't get it. Tommy, what do you think? Should UNC be using its bench more? I think that he does, he's bristled a couple times in press conferences when people have asked him about that. Um, he's played a lot of guys. I mean, they're getting seven, eight, nine guys in the game. He doesn't play them much. And to Ross's point earlier, I mean, Baycott's averaging 34, point, 34 minutes a game. That's too much uh, on top of what they did last year. Um, I think he has some talent on that bench. Now, how does he manage rotations, right? You felt like watching Roy Williams and even Dean Smith is that the sixth man off the bench was going to be the sixth man off the bench, whether they were playing a big team or a little team or a speedy team or a, you know, a, a very defensive mind team. I don't think Hubert works that way. And that's what sort of the new era type deal is. His substitution patterns are based on who they're playing and matchups and things like that. And I thought Washington came in last night um, when Nance went out with the back. And if Nance has got lower back issues and spasms and all, bless that kid because I've had them. And they, that is no fun. He's going to have a lot better treatment than a couple of Advil and a heating pad. But there's still trouble to deal with. So Jalen Washington comes in for that stretch there. I, I think because, because Hubert intended to have Pete Nance and Baycott out there for that five or six minutes or whatever it was. But he substitutes – it's interesting because you see DeMarco Dunn come in and play a bunch of minutes in the first half and none in the second. Or Puff Johnson um, comes in and does a few things and then vanishes. Um, those are the weird parts. Ross, it doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason. I'm sure there is, but from the outside looking in, there's no like – it's not cut and paste. This is what's going to happen. It's sort of go with the flow. And he'll ride his guys for 40 minutes if he needs to. Um, what do you think? I, I think a lot of guys play. I think they need to divvy up the minutes a little more amongst the start, you know, from the starters on down. Yeah. How many subs did he make in the second half? What do y'all think? I, I know. I was wondering, do y'all know? It was probably like four. 
I know RJ and Caleb didn't come out, right? He made one sub. Wow. He made one sub. He subbed uh, Seth Trimble in for McCoy, and that was it. That's right. McCoy, McCoy started to have. Then McCoy started, and then Trimble played with the with the starting for the rest. Um, it is random, I think. It is kind of odd because I was surprised to see McCoy come in in the first half instead of Nickel or Puff there at the beginning, right? And I asked um, Hubert about that, and he said they needed size. They needed Jalen Washington and, and McCoy in as more size, I guess, against Wake Forest, who, who has a big four-man. And then I was like, well, what happened with the small lineup? He said, well, they were running some action on mm-hmm. offense, and the small lineup, be able to switch one through four, which they can do with Leakey, just worked out well, and he w- went with it. So there is some sort of rhyme or reason, but I think it is random. Like, I don't get the Dontrez Styles thing. Like, I think Styles is pretty good from last year. I mean, Hubert certainly knows more basketball than I'll ever know, but I think Styles deserves more time. I like Puff. It seems like Puff gets in the doghouse or gets too many fouls or does something wrong, and you never see him again. But when he's in that, I mean, Puff look was awesome in the Alabama game, I thought. I thought Puff has good moments. We haven't seen him much really since Portland. Like, I don't – I need to pull up all the game logs, but I don't I don't remember Puff doing much since Portland. And then – so, it's, yeah, it's started. He rides the starters. The Trimble stuff was great to see. I think Trimble deserves a lot more time. I think he's the most athletic player on the team. He's going to be the most athletic player that UNC's had in a long time. They need more athleticism. He, he plays bigger than he is. He's strong. Um, he's a, he's a, a willing defender. Not much outside shot, but, um, you know, he was great. So, and then, like, Nickel didn't play yesterday. You know, Nickel's been at least getting minutes in most games. Doesn't see the floor. Um, so, it, it's odd. We'll see if Washington – I think Washington could get more time to, to relieve Baycott, but that's such a drop-off. Like, Washington is, is nowhere close to Baycott. So you're really sacrificing a lot if you're going to, you know, put Washington in for three or four minutes at a time. So, um, he, he loves his starters, and we saw it last year. And it, it, he's playing stars more this year, I think, than even last year. Well, it's pretty it close. Yeah, so, I, um, I don't have them both up. But it, it, I, um, I don't understand the Puff thing because I agree with you. They're, Puff either in and out of the doghouse or he's doing something that our untrained eyes don't see um, to get him there. I think he hustles. I think he plays hard. Um you know, Justin McCoy, I was surprised to see him out there. But it, but like I said earlier, Hubert subs based on matchups more. Mm-hmm. He reacts to what teams are doing, whereas, you know, Roy Williams would always say, we're going to do what we want to do, and the other team's got to deal with it. I think yeah. Hubert's more of the new school. We're going to adjust based on what another team is doing and work with it. I love more the, more the NBA style, I, I would imagine, too, right? Kind of Yeah, you play for the match, go for the matchups yeah. rather than – um, being stiff with your your substitution patterns or, or whatever. Um, I, I you did know. look it up real quick too, Tommy. Uh, UNC was 348th last season in Ken Palm's bench minutes metric. This season they are they are 361. There are only two teams with less. That's why we keep bringing it up because UNC is literally at the bottom. There are 363 teams in this database, and UNC is. <laughs> Second to last, third to last. So that's, that's wild, why we can bring it up. I mean, that's um, that's that's know. crazy. I, can you go back and look up those numbers during Roy Williams' tenure? Sure. Does it go yeah. back that far just to see? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd like to see. Go ahead, Tom. Sorry. No, you you're right. I was going to say Roy would sacrifice early season games to play guys um, with the hope that it paid off later, and. I don't think Hubert Davis is about that. Hubert Davis trying to win every single one of them. Um, whether they do or not, it's a different story. But I, I don't see him sacrificing a potential win in order to get somebody playing time that maybe he doesn't feel like deserves it or earns it or, or whatever. Go ahead, Ross. Sorry. Yeah, I'd like to see them get a, you know, a three subs, like an eight-man rotation and just kind of stick with that and then get them used to playing with, with Puff, whether it's Puff or Trimble and Styles or, or Washington, like just you don't have to go nine deep or ten deep. You know, get a couple guys that can give you ten, you know, ten fifteen minutes a game to to because Baycott playing thirty eight a game is just not going to last. I mean, he's, he's going to be beaten down come March. Um, so <clears throat> we'll 
We'll see. And, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's, yeah, it's random. And it, it, there's not a set three or four he goes with. It, it He went with McCoy. McCoy hasn't played any this year. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I think the final four, especially the championship game, sort of shows what ends up happening when you ride your starters all the way down because those guys were dead on Monday night. Now, granted, the emotion of – yeah, they got there and the emotion of, of Saturday was certainly anything beyond anybody's expectations or experiences there, but I, I felt like – they were just worn slam out. Is that a function of the season or is that a function of the Saturday game? I don't know, but it's interesting. We'll have a we'll talk about it till the end of time, as long as Hubert Davis is the coach, I would imagine. Caleb was Caleb was plus three. Uh Sam Durham. The question there, what's the plus minus on Caleb? Plus three. I'll run through the plus minus right now. We got time. Um Seth was plus sixteen. Pete Nance. That can't be right. Yeah, plus – that can't be right. Plus 12, but he only played like a minute. Um, Baycott plus 11. R.J. Davis plus 10. Leakey plus 8. Caleb plus 3. Puff Johnson plus 2. Justin McCoy plus 1. Jalen Washington minus 4. And DeMarco Dunn minus 1. Um, so the highest was 16 for, for Seth Trimble. Did anybody see uh, Adrian Atkinson's stats earlier today on Twitter? Look them up. Carolina defense. It's similar to the plus minus. Carolina defensive on court, off court ratings. And I love is minus 22.1. Nance is the highest at plus 10.7. I don't understand. Yeah, they're they're too deep (laughs) for me, but that doesn't look good. (laughs) You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't look good. People are hating on, on love, man. I mean, He's been so good at times. Like, mm-hmm. has he been that bad this season? I feel like he's been okay this season until yesterday. It's interesting too to hear the reaction of the Smith Center sometimes when he's shooting. I mean, the most obvious example was last season against Syracuse, late in the season when he took that late three, and everyone kind of groaned, and then he ended up making it. But even last night, I mean, you would you would think that he's taking just these, you know, like half court. Harlem Globetrotter type shots, the way the crowd is reacting. Um, and again, you got to take the good with the bad. We've said that consistently on this podcast, but, um, you know, it's, it's just part of the, the Caleb Love experience in Chapel Hill. Did y'all see Caleb Hill Marshall's dad's tweet? I saw it on the boards, yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. I think somebody asked, why is there no doghouse for Caleb Love? I'll say this. I'll say that Hubert Davis believes in Caleb Love – as much as anybody on that roster, if not more. And Love has shown that he can do it. And that's, I think that is what's the most frustrating thing for people watching is that he can be so good um, and people expect, why not do it all the time? And, and I think Hubert Davis knows that it's in there to come out. Um, he does have a green light. Uh, was it Childress or Corey Alexander last night was talking about? This is why I love that guy. He's got the greenest light in history. Um and they're right, but he's shown that he can hit big shots. And but like I said earlier, and I don't want to beat it over and over and over again, is that the defense that he played and the rest of the team played. I think that was that was the big thing for me. What we got? Caleb had seven points against Pitt, three for nine from the field. Let's go through some stats here. Um, Law against Michigan, eighteen points, six for thirteen from the field, one for five from three. Ohio State, twenty-two points, eight for twenty. From the field, four for thirteen. That was an overtime game. Four for thirteen from three. So he, he is—he does shoot a lot. It's well, I, I think I think you know the Alabama game is going to be Caleb Love's Appalachian State fourth quarter. He shot thirty-six <laughs> times against at, I mean against against Alabama. I think people will always remember that, no matter what he does. And uh, anyway, I just think the team certainly needs him. Um, you know, and like like we talked about, when he's hot, and when they're both hot, um, and the chemistry is good between Andre and Caleb. You know, Garrett Chapman mentioned that's why Carolina has five losses. Um, yeah, that's also why they made that run in the Final Four, and I think that's what everybody's is hoping for. Um, and, and 
Orange Shovel. That's an interesting nickname. Caleb is a game-changing player for good or bad, uh, but you can't change the game from the bench. You have to accept it. There you go. I think that's a pretty good thing. So time What's for a break. Right here? What's that mean? In the grill. I think a little food in the teeth there. I think that's what they're saying. You got oh. food in the teeth? <laughs> no, I don't know. I brush my teeth. I guess, that's time. my gap. <laughs> that is great. Uh, sponsored yeah. by Lane Dentistry. Um, <laughs> we uh, let's let's talk about Johnny T-shirt. Johnny T-shirt dot com. Right fast. We are halfway through our new night on Thursdays on the On the Beat podcast. A Johnny T-shirt supports Inside Carolina. Please support them. Take care of them. Join the premium boards. Look, I'm gonna tell folks if you're in this chat, do me a couple things. One, like this. Put a bunch of smash a bunch of likes, as Chip says on Cover Three. Um, also, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're not, and make sure you're subscribed to Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards um, because it's going to heat up again with all the – Jason Staples are going to be doing some breakdowns. There's recruiting news. Obviously, Carolina's gotten some big basketball recruits here lately. It's worth it, and 10% off your Johnny T-shirt order as you get ready for summer because I, I refuse to believe that it's wintertime. It's just a few weeks more till summer, and Johnny T-shirt hooks you up. Take a national break. Let the guys pay the bills that way. It's on the beat live. Ross, John Bowman, and Tommy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, 9.32 on Thursday. Um, I don't really have much else on this basketball team, but I do want to talk about, Ross, I want to get your take on expectations here. You mentioned how the ACC is down, which it is. Um, look at this. You want to see something funny, especially for somebody like me, an old older school guy? Look at the ACC rankings right now. And I had them up and I've lost them. I mean, it's like no, none of the Blue Bloods. Yeah, I have it, Tommy, if you want me to read it real quick. And it Clemson? Yeah, it's Clemson and Pittsburgh. They're the two 4-0 and teams. And then there's Miami at 4-1, and Syracuse at 3-1, and and then some of the Blue Bloods, if you want to call them that, Virginia, UNC, Duke, Wake Forest, uh, are all at 2-2. Two and two. Um, And then you kind of go on down from there. But it's kind of an interesting mix at the top of the, the standings so far this season. And Carolina's next opponent at 11.30 on Saturday, Notre Dame, 0-4. Mm-hmm. And, and Notre Dame's generally a pretty good team. Mike Bray usually has a pretty good team. Don't know what's going on there. Just a weird a weird season. You know, everybody said, God, they lost to Pitt. And Greg Barnes and I talked about it on Next Level. That loss to Pitt last year was terrible for the basketball team. Maybe it helped them flip the switch. But the one on January 30th, or excuse me, December 30th this year, not a bad loss. In fact, they should have won. But anyway, Ross, what's realistic for this team? Uh, I mean, are, are you sold on them being a tournament team at this point? <laughs> I think it'll be a tournament team. I was looking at Notre Dame's roster. They still have Nate Lazakowski. He's been there forever, I feel. Remember that guy? <laughs> those, those dudes, I mean, between COVID and, yeah, it's crazy. and all that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think his team can – win a lot of games i think they have all the talent in the world so if they can put it together they can certainly like i said the acc is not that strong and they can rattle off a couple wins here i mean i don't know i don't just clemson i don't know if clemson really scares i don't know it never really scares the teams that scare me are virginia at virginia you know and duke well than that i mean i don't think there's anything else i mean yeah we play wake forest on the road um but you got virginia twice duke twice but 
yeah, they got some some games they should easily win in there. They got Pittsburgh at home, so have a chance of redemption there. So I certainly think this is a, a a tournament team, Tommy. I think the question is how far can they go? I think they can. I, I think they're going to keep getting better. I mean, I, I just think they're so experienced. You know, figure some things out. Do you think they're missing a shooter? We haven't really talked about that. I think they're missing that. They're missing Brady Manick. I think they're, they're always going to miss him. They got to recruit more shooters. You can just knock it down a six six. Six nine guy who can just stroke it like puff. That's not puff. Um, I don't think it's nickel. Nickel's hits. It's not not nickel. Um, Nance. I don't think it's Nance. You know, uh, certainly not nickel at this point in his career. They don't. They're missing that guy. Um, I think that's the the one thing that's going to separate this team from last team, no matter how more experienced Love and Davis and Baycott are. But I certainly think it's a tournament team. I think they'll they're fair pretty well in the ACC because I think they're battle tested. I think they have the experience, and um, you, they got to win those games like the Pitt game. That should have been a win. That should, should have been a win. We'd speak talk about them as you know UNC being right there at the top of the standings right now. So, yeah, I'll piggyback take. on what you were saying there, Ross. And one name you didn't mention, as Bull Hill mentions, is, is Leaky. Um, and I, I still find him in a really interesting case as as a shooter. So first of all, let's acknowledge he is thirty nine point four percent from three this season. In conference play, he's 4 of 11, 36%. So that's still held up. But I tweeted about this last night. Defenses still don't really respect him mm-hmm. uh, from the perimeter. And from a spacing perspective, that matters. Um, sort of what, what spacing you're creating on the court, it really doesn't matter how you're shooting the ball. It matters how defenses are treating you. So if teams are still going to just abandon him and, and give up open shots to him late in second halves, like I think last night he – he also airballed a three late in the second half. Um, there's a little bit of a trade-off there. I'd love, Ross, if you could sneak in a question to one of the opposing ACC coaches. I'd love to hear how they're talking about Leakey to their teams because it's is it still just you know sort of treating him as a non-shooter? Um, or at what point do you sort of let his sample size from this season that he's almost a 40% three-point shooter kind of kick in? I thought that was kind of an interesting subplot, especially from last night's game because he performed – so well offensively uh what was it i believe he had 16 18 points um, career high. So one of his, yeah one of his best offensive games career high points so maybe his best offensive game ever scoring wise as a tar heel um, but i think that's something to continue to monitor uh throughout the season especially if unc doesn't have pete nance on the floor for an extended extended amount of time we know he is sort of a hit or miss shooter but he's a nance is a willing shooter so if they're going to be playing Trimble more, that's one more kind of non-shooter on the court. So it's yeah. just something to watch. It, I think Leaky. I mean, if he can hit two threes a game, if he can hit three threes a game consistently, that just completely changes. I saw your tweet, John. I tweeted something similar. You had the picture there, right, with the spacing and how much they were playing off Leaky. Um, I said something about how, like, man, if he can knock down threes, the wide-up threes, it completely changes the offense because then they start respecting him. Um but I think, you know, Dewey said this too, Tommy. I agree. Like, man, Leakey is – he has the body of an NBA player. I mean, he is 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, he's long. He's built. He's athletic. He should be driving to the basket and scoring at the rim. He, he showed some of that um, last night. I feel like he, he should, should have done that his whole career. But, you know, he, he has such the ability to get to the rim. Just do it more. Be aggressive. I think his mentality – is he's a little tentative. He's kind of a, a shyer, soft-spoken guy. He's never been that big leader, that big vocal guy. And he kind of shows in his game. He's always kind of played second fiddle, third fiddle, fourth fiddle at UNC. You know, came in with Kobe and Nasir, uh, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. So he's never really been the guy. I think it kind of shows with his offensive game. He's always had to defer to other players his whole career, which makes sense because he's not the offensive threat. But if he can be more aggressive and drive, I think it could open him up more. It changes what UNC can do because I think he can be a, a good scorer. Um, he's just never been the guy. But his shot has gotten like a little bit better each year. It's still not great. But last night, man, he had – I think he, he hit one and then he missed – he hit one or two in a row. He had a miss and then almost went in two. So he almost hit three in a row there. Um, the, the roof would have came off the Smith Center if that happened. But uh, he was great last night. So love to see that. That adds a whole new element to UNC's offense. Yeah. If he would just drive and dunk on somebody, Jeff in the chat said, be like the NBA 2K23 guy. I mean, just dunk on somebody one time. 
drive and just thump one on somebody and maybe it changes the way he plays. I, I think he's – look, the defense alone makes him so valuable for this team. Um, but, right, the shooting, they don't respect him. You saw Wake Forest, John. I mean, Wake Forest was 20 feet off of him. If, I don't know if his man could have been further off of him and still been on the court. And uh, just take him. Uh, I mean, they – you know, I, I've tweeted before, Dean Smith used to say, you're open for a reason. But if he's going to shoot 40% from three, he got to take more. And uh, his best shot is when he just does it. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't think about it. He just lets it go. And um, that you mentioned he came in with Kobe and Nasir. Wow. It <laughs> seems like forever ago. Was that even? Uh, uh, I remember that was like when I was in school. I remember standing on the court. At the Cameron uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium, that was Leaky's I think freshman season when he was injured, so it was just me and him standing next to each other there. Um, but that shows how long he's been around because I I I left UNC a long time ago. What, what year um, were you in there, freshman John? Uh, I think that was the 2018-19 season. So I think that was Leaky's freshman year when he was hurt most of the year. How old were you though? I was Where a senior. I was a senior. Oh, got it. Got it. Oh, got now it. you have gray hair. Oh, no, you don't. That's... Hey, soon. Yeah, hopefully not. Uh, shout out. Look, we we're talking about the substitution patterns earlier, and I did not read this. So when Joey Powell's watching this, and I have to hear about it on Saturday at Inside Carolina Live, um, he said, I'm convinced it's another one of Hubert Davis's NBA influences that he just goes with whoever's playing well and the feel of what he sees on the floor, almost the polar opposite from Roy Williams. And that's what I was saying. That's what it feels like. Anyway, uh, you know, this team can be really good. This team's got to buy in. It, it the Pittsburgh, con, you know, hearing Hubert after Pittsburgh and then hearing him after Wake. This team is too veteran to have the ups and downs, and that's what I want to see. Yeah. I want to see some consistency. I, I don't think it's that difficult to play hard every game. I don't see think it's that difficult. And why we're still having to discuss it is what's the most befuddling thing to me. What do you think, Ross? It is. Is he, what else can Hubert Davis do? I don't. I don't want to say is he doing all he can do because he clearly is. But like to get consistency, what more yeah, is there yeah, to do I mean, for him? I don't. I mean, you know, he's probably saying all the right things. It's, it's a matter of these guys buying in. I, I don't know. I think a good test will be if they go in Notre Dame. I'm looking at Notre Dame is pretty bad this year. They've lost Miami, Boston College, Florida State, Georgia, Marquette, Syracuse, Saint Bonaventure. So I, I think if UNC could come out 11.30 a.m. on Saturday and just, you know, you know, get a comfortable 10-point lead in the first half, get out to, you know, close to 20 in the, sec- in the, in the second half, that would be a good message. You know, two back-to-back wins at home against teams they should beat, that would be a good sign too. But I, I think we kind of beat this, this, this horse. Um, Let's but, look ahead uh, a little bit real quick, too, to the schedule because it's kind okay. of a, a packed stretch here between now and January 24th. UNC plays, it looks like, six ACC games. So they play Notre Dame on Saturday. Then they go at Virginia, at Louisville. Then they come back home for Boston College, NC State. And then they close out this little stretch with Syracuse. So there's definitely some winnable games in there. We've already talked about Louisville tonight. They're kind of a mess. Boston College is a winnable game. And then Syracuse on the road, I think, is is a very much a winnable game. So this is maybe opportunity for unc to kind of stack wins get a little bit of momentum um it's going to be a, i think a really interesting interesting stretch after they took some big breaks kind of around around the holidays yeah. maybe some time to get a little bit of momentum they're all winnable john this is unc basketball they're all winnable right <laughs> i mean they, they should have I mean, there's every game they should have there's no there's no game on the schedule that was not winnable i don't think um maybe well, indiana Maybe Indiana at Indiana was the one that you're like, that might not be winnable. Um, I think Duke. I mean, I was wild last night. So it is, it is an interesting stretch here. I think the road games are, are key here. ACC road games on like a random Tuesday at 9 p.m. That's tough. That's tough up in Charlottesville and, and places like that. You want me to do a little football, Tommy? What do you think? Yeah, let's go football for a minute. What did y'all want to discuss? Poor, uh, I did see Mac Brown, and this is for our listeners. Um, and watchers, Mac will have a press conference on Monday to sort of have like a, a new signing day press conference for all the portal yeah. guys coming in. Um, the roster being crazy. I guess 
classes start on Monday, right? And he said that portal guys aren't locked in until they enroll. At least that's what Jeremy said. And so that'll be on Monday. What else um, football related? I mean, there's going to be like so many new faces walking around Keenan Football Center starting yeah. Monday. It's pretty insane. Yeah, so 17 newcomers will arrive tomorrow and I guess start classes Monday. If everybody goes through, that's that's nine uh, early enrollee freshmen. And then, and then eight transfers. There might be eighteen. Little, little, little hint here for those listening on the beat. There's something I don't, I don't know what it is. So I, don't ask me. But something about maybe another transfer or something odd. Maybe it might be additional guy enrolling too. So it is crazy, man. You get up. I mean, eight transfers. That's that's a that's almost a whole. You know, starting starting eleven there. So pretty nuts. Um, and then press conference on Monday introduced the transfers. We haven't talked about the Oregon game, but that was two weeks ago. Um, I've got a quick question for Tommy. Tommy, were you surprised that Awesome Richards elected to head to the yeah, NFL? Yeah, that's news. Surprised? Um, any chance? I mean, I guess they got their grades back, their their feedback back from the league, and he felt like that that was a good move. You know, I. With NIL, you think, why would you go and possibly be a late-round draft pick or not drafted? Um, but let's be realistic. How much NIL are offensive linemen getting in college? Um, so I think that's part of it. So maybe a little surprised. I thought the line would return almost everybody. Um, Montalus has already announced he's gone, right? He's he's moving on. So now you got Austin Richards gone. But look, I'm all for people. The league is the pinnacle of the sport. Jim Harbaugh from Michigan has had his college team in the playoff two straight years, beating Ohio State, and he talked about interviewing for a professional job because the pinnacle is the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. And so um, for Awesome Richards to make that choice, I hope it works out for him. I mean, it's worked out for a couple other Carolina guys, um, and they're doing pretty good. And Sam Howell will play on Sunday for the Redskins and finally get his first shot. So it's going to make – Carolina's offensive line, interesting as we go into spring, especially with a new coach. Yeah, I mean, from a UNC perspective, that's a huge loss. I mean, that's Drake May's blindside, right? So you, you you feel very comfortable with Austin coming back. You know, you think you can get him back, William Barnes, Corey Gaynor, uh, Spencer Rollin, you know, but now you lose him. So now it's kind of in a shuffle. Now it's like kind of a, a weakness almost. So I'll be interested to see if they go in the transfer portal after spring practice and bring in some veteran guy. Um you know, say, look, the spot can be yours. You want to come here and, and block for uh, Drake May. But I, it did surprise me a little bit. Just he didn't, you know, Austin's a pretty quiet guy. You know, I don't know if but he, he probably got like a third-round grade, fourth-round grade. He's, he's he's athletic. He's big. So start your clock early. Um, what what other news we got? I think the transfers coming in, I'm really excited about the wide receivers. I think they're going to be – I think that's a – you're basically getting like replacements for – People that are leaving, you know, you, you lose two, lose two wide receivers, you get two wide receivers. You lose a safety, you get a safety. Um, lose a couple corners, you get a corner. So that'd be interesting too. And um, I, we haven't heard about Corey Gaynor either, even though he never talks to the media. So we'll, maybe we'll ask on Monday if he's coming back as well, because that should be coming here pretty soon as well. Uh, yeah, what do you think about the bowl game, John? Sorry, go ahead, Tommy. No, we'll go ahead. I, I... That needs to be question number one or two to Mac on Monday about Corey Gaynor. Bowl game, John. It's the old. What do you mean bowl game? Well, we talked about it. I was going to say the what. What I want to talk about is there's you know I, I I know there's a statute of limitations on things. So you know some things are too too fresh. You can't talk about them. But I want to talk about. It's been a few days now. I want to talk about the jersey situation uh, because that was to me just so crazy so funny so much unintentional comedy uh i know everyone knows what i'm referring to but just just in case you don't it was in the third oh. quarter of that game and unc got a penalty for uh i guess not reporting that george petaway uh changed his jersey uh to number 43 i think it was um and i just think looking back it's just such a hilarious situation uh so many parts of it were funny. Number one, the poor kid's face who was on the equipment staff, who I'm sure has like dedicated his entire life 
UNC football. And then I'm sure he checked his phone after the game and saw like 10,000 text messages from everyone he's ever known. Like, <laughs> hey, you were on TV. How did that go? Um, so I want to learn more about him. Ross, I'm expecting a, a feature story on him at some point <laughs> this offseason. But it was also just so funny to watch George with the jersey that was way too big. He was like Casper the ghost out there or like a sailboat. He had like huge flaps going <laughs> off of him. And then it was also funny because they were like showing him as he was taking the jersey off. And I didn't know what player it was. So it was like a Scooby-Doo reveal. Like, okay, who is it? Who's re returning this punt? Um, and it ended up being George Petaway. So I think was funny. enough time has passed. We can all laugh about that now. Crazy call. Very funny in hindsight. If it had impacted the game, not funny at all. But well, it I think really it impacted the game. So. Mm, kind of did. And Garrett Chapman beat me to it. I was in Notre Dame Stadium when they called roughing the snapper on the game that flipped that game back to Notre Dame. And that's the first thing I thought about when they called uh, – there you go. When they <laughs> – that, that's not right. When they called uh, – when they called Carolina for failing to report. I think South Carolina got busted for it in their bowl game as well. Just, Just in case people don't see, remember the visual. And I'm sure, again, it's not this guy's fault for sure. Uh, yeah, he's, this guy yeah, he's is an a loyal – He's a yeah. student assistant equipment manager guy. Like, probably doesn't even get paid. Yeah, so it's um, unfortunate that, was, that he became the face of this situation. But. Very funny face. I mean, the posture. <clears throat> Look at his face. <clears throat> Whoa. How about Padaway, though? I mean, he was a great returner. Kind of give you a little hope for next year. I mean, he can be a punt. He can return electric. That was kind of good to see. Uh, I got a question for you, Tommy. How does losing that game affect – your thoughts on the season next year versus if they had won that game, one point difference. I mean, losing four versus and nine and five versus um, being 10 and four, you know, big win over Oregon ranked win, you know, one point, I think it, I think it does change the narrative a little bit coming out of this season, heading into the off season and next year. It hundred percent changes the, the narrative and the perception, right? Does it change the actual deal? Probably not. Um, you know, does it change what changes we'll see or should see or have seen? I don't. I don't think so. But man, that game just played out, Ross. Like the whole season did, right? It was like you could see. I could see twenty-eight, twenty-seven coming from a mile away, and you just sort of like, no, 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 please, no, no, don't do it. Don't kick that field goal, Mac. Like Jason said, don't go yeah. up six and all that stuff. But does it? It changes the perception, especially the outside perception, because Drake May will offset a lot of that. Just having him on the roster, um, we're seeing all these player lists come out and top returning quarterbacks and players of college football season. He's on all of them, so that's going to give Carolina a ton of ink going into a season next year where they collapse this season, but. It sure would have been nice to see Carolina get a top 15 win against a really good Oregon team, um, I think. Um, yeah, and, and they just and, it just couldn't get it done. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because uh, Duke finished 9-4 and four and UNC finished 9-5. and five. I mean, it's almost like they had the same season, whereas, you know, UNC beat Duke and won the Coastal, but their record looks the same on paper pretty much. Um and people are saying say that, Duke could be like a, a dark horse ACC uh, championship game contender next year. Duke, people have said that. Yeah, Nobody will say that about Carolina. Not without the Coastal. My okay. two um, quick points kind of following up on the game, I know it was a long time ago at this point. Number one, I thought it was a little bit unfair that the narrative kind of flowed into the fact that UNC lost its last four games of the season. Yes, that is factual, but – especially the bowl game, it really felt like a, a new season. And I felt like the focus should have been more on the fact that they were so close against Oregon rather that they lost the last four games to end the season. I thought that just doesn't feel like how the season's narrative should have shaped out. But then again, that's reality. That's what happened. So that's sort of how that's sort of you have to take your medicine there. Um, and then the second point, I think as Tommy was watching, as I'm sure everyone in the chat was watching, I watched a lot of college football over the last you know whatever during bowl season i think one thing that really stood out to me watching all those other games and then comparing that to the unc oregon game on the final drives because there was a lot of close games throughout the college football 
uh, bowl season. Final drives. Defenses were getting a pass rush on the opposing team's quarterback. And there were so many games, I can't remember which ones now. But, you know, they would only rush four, but the quarterbacks wouldn't have all day to sit back in the pocket and sort of pick apart defenses in late drives. And then you contrast that to UNC's final drives when they needed to get a stop and they just couldn't get any pass rush, which allowed Bo Nix to kind of pick apart the defense and drive down the field. Um, So those are my two takeaways there. Just around, you know, it's unfair, but it's true that the defense or that the the four game slide narrative took hold. But then also lack of pass rush was really glaring when comparing it to other bowl games. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Your your first point. Yeah. The game was fun. I watched, I was in Chapel Hill. I watched with friends. It was very fun. UNC was in it the whole time. It it felt so much better than the the Mayo Bowl. UNC was right in it. Yeah, making some stops on defense, scoring the ball in the first half, um, making some good plays, came down to the end. It was an exciting game. And that was kind of how Max spun it to, like, very proud of their effort. You know, it's a one-point difference. You know, it really could have gone either either way, honestly. Um, so that was good. That's the way you kind of spin it and build towards the offseason. But the record is the record. Um, I have a question for you all. Speaking of pass rush, do you think – there is going to be any more coaching changes for UNC football. If you were to bet, point, all right, over under 0.5 coaching changes for UNC football staff. I don't want people to take my opinion to come across as any sort of news or reporting, but I, I think over, I think there's got to be. For the sake of the fan base, and I know people don't do things based on the fan base, <clears throat> DC they hired first, but – I think there's got to be somebody's got to sacrifice. You know, Bateman sacrifice. Bateman was the sacrifice last year. Defense was worse this year. Yeah, and now they're worse. Yeah, defense has been worse with with more experience and more talent than last year. With with, and really a couple of years with Bateman, kind of kind of interesting there. I I don't know. I will say over. I don't. You're going under a half. But there's a reason why there's producer John in front of my name. It's not expert John. I actually looked back at our uh, preseason over-unders, and I was uh, pretty bad. Uh, Jason Staples, of course, came out in first place. Um, but what? I think I, I deleted the file, so history will never know. Um, no, <laughs> Everybody yeah, needs to apologize. Fun. Everybody needs to apologize to Bateman on the boards. I, think, uh, I, see that. I just think there needs to be a sacrifice, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. whoever's fault it is is irrelevant it, a lot of max buddies there a lot of mac has a lot of buddies on the defensive side buddies with chiswick buddies with tim cross coach with him at texas two different times coach dre bly coach tommy thigpen and then tommy thigpen and dre Bly played at carolina so who's he gonna who would he fine I, I could see if anything maybe a coach goes to place else that'd be the I think the result that would make everybody happy if there is a change, right? Yeah. It makes Mac look okay. Other coach doesn't have fire on his resume. I mean, you see the rumors on the boards of – I mean, we're not going to get into the rumors here, but it'll be interesting. And when is it going to happen, too? Will it happen on Monday? Will it happen next week? I mean, it's kind of – the national championship game is, is Monday, so then it's kind of like the offseason has is, is finally begun. Yeah, it is uh, – yeah, I, I, think, I just think there has to be change. How they get to that change – yeah, that doesn't matter either. But I just think there has to be some sort of change. Um, Bateman, yeah. Anyway, interesting. Any any weird stats, John? You always want to close the show with some crazy stat. If you got nothing, we got to get out of here on our hour time slot. The, the networks are going to be on us. <laughs> TCU or, or Georgia? You're muted, You're muted John. John, or something. Oh, my bad. I'm going Georgia. I, I like. Uh, the dogs in that game. It's kind of a fun matchup. There's been a lot of articles about that. Kind of like recruiting rankings. Georgia's obviously got the more talented team versus kind of like transfer portal, senior-laden team in TCU. So that's kind of makes it a fun matchup from my perspective. So I have to kind of default to the, the more talented, uh, the stats like Georgia. So I'm going Georgia. What about you, Russ? I'll pick Georgia. I can see Georgia blow them out. I don't know if it'll be a blowout, but I think Georgia will win. I, TCU's tough, though. I think Michigan thought TCU was going to fold up. Hmm. And uh, 
Somebody mentioned that Jeff is getting props in the chat. Non-SEC team. I agree with that. But my thing is, is I like Georgia. I've always liked Georgia. Uh, it was a little bit of a pain in my heart when my son turned down a scholarship to go to Georgia academically. So, anyway, well, all I right. think I'll, I'll go with Georgia. Let's get out of here. It's been Inside Carolina on the beat on Thursday's night. On Thursday, the new night, 9 o'clock throughout the season. A lot of basketball games on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, so we're going to roll Thursday nights. Hopefully next Thursday, Adam Smith will join us as he is the Inside Carolina beat writer. And this is On the Beat, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Shout out to Ross. Shout out to John. I've been the host, Tommy. We're all in it together. We will talk to you all next week. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ, Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.